thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Emily Isles, and she talks to us about what brought her to Sonoma County, California from Michigan, her experience being a saddle fitter, how breaking her neck and getting a bad case of vertigo drastically changed her life, and how her recovery has been. Hope you enjoy. Where are you from? Michigan. Michigan. And yeah. what brought you out here? So I actually got a job working for Eve and Christine at Oak Ridge back then, being a working student. Okay. And how did you come across that job? I started riding when I was nine. And through, like, riding barns, you all have, like, the, the barn rats, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so through the, it was a three-day eventing barn. And it was pretty high. Like, people who were in it, like, they wanted to, like, go and, you know, compete like yeah yeah, do do like be the best like all that kind of stuff and so when my one of my good friends was leaving because you know there's like groups of kids and the the group before me left and she her mom knew sally phillips and she said if you want to be a great writer go be a working student for even christine that was then Oak Ridge, then went to Santa Rosa Equestrian Center, now it's HJ2 Stables. She said, go be a working student for them, and if you like have high hopes and dreams, like that's the place to be. Interesting. So when I was 18, I just graduated high school, I packed up my horse, and just me and my horse moved out here. Okay. And so that's kind of like how I got into Sonoma County. Yeah, and were there, was there like fear involved? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do with the rest of your life training-wise, or? I knew I always wanted to be in the horse industry. I thought I wanted to be a horse trainer, and I always wanted to go to Rolex. Uh, Growing up in Michigan, we'd always show at the Kentucky Horse Park, and every year we'd go watch the Rolex. Well, Kentucky now, it's called Kentucky. Three-day event. And so every year we'd go, I would be like, oh my God, like, that's my calling. That's what I want to do. So I was like, to do that, I have to go to Oak Ridge. And so I went to Oak Ridge and it turns out I didn't actually want to do that. (laughs) When was the deciding factor? So obviously like horse work is hard work, right? Like six days a week, you're a working student, you get one day off. I mean, it's amazing because the program that's there is like, you can't find that anymore nowadays. Like they literally paid for your room, they paid for your horse, they paid for your shows. Like it was incredible. Like looking back, like, I don't know how lucky I was. But it also involved really hard work, right? We had to be there at 6 a.m., we're done till 5.30, and you just were in it day in and day out, right? So about halfway through my time, because we had set up that I was just gonna stay there a year and then kind of see how it went, my horse hurt himself. Mm. And so he had like an OCD lesion that just kept, because we were, I think we were jumping like preliminary stuff and so it was like getting to the point where like he just couldn't do it so it was like a turning point like okay well here's the thing like you either need to get a new horse or you you know you just he's not gonna choose a different route right exactly so I ended up like I have this thing where like I can't sell my horses I love all my horses and every horse that I've ever owned I know who they go to and I still talk to and I've owned like I think I'm up to like horse number 12 at this point. Oh wow, yeah. (laughs) So I ended up calling my barn that I grew up riding in and there was a girl there that was looking for a horse at the time and she was like on the ranks of coming up, you know, the barn rat status, right? And so I called my old trainer and I was like, hey, you know, Trooper can't do what I want to do, but like I don't want to sell him. So I ended up taking him back home, selling him to the girl and he lived till he was like 27 going novice and just lived like the best best life ever good yeah 
So anyway, so after that happened, I was just kind of like lost. I was like, well, you know, if I don't have a horse ride, like I didn't really want to ride other people's horses. And I know like to be good in this world, you have to ride, you have to ride as many as you can. But like my heart wasn't in that. Like I didn't, I didn't care for, like I wanted the connection. Like that was my main, like I want that part. Your responsibility for, right. yeah. I didn't want just to, I mean, I loved riding other horses, like riding 10 horses a day is like the best life ever, right? But it just, my heart wasn't in it. From there, I moved back with him till I sold him. And then I moved back out again. But I kind of ended my time at Oak Ridge because it was kind of, by the time this all happened, like my year was up and I just I just really didn't want to do it again. But you did you like Sonoma County Oh my God, much? I loved it so much. What about it? Well, I like the weather growing up in Michigan. <laughs> I love that it didn't snow. <laughs> that was my favorite part about it. Yep. It's just, there's such like a high vibration in this county that you really can't find anywhere else. And people that grew up here, like, you know, they, they get it, but like you don't really get it until you lived in the Midwest. Or wherever, you know. Yeah, somewhere else. So as soon as I situated my horse, I was like, okay, well, I'm moving back out here because I, it snowed and I was like, oh my God, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. I just started working like for any, I would ride any horse that would come my way. I thought I, I started like my own training business. Where I, was that at? So I basically just traveled around. Okay. So like I'd go to other barns or like basically I was young and hadn't had any injuries. So like I'd basically ride anything. <laughs> I was Capable. super brave. So you would train horses or people or both? Both. Okay. Uh, mostly horses though. I was always better with just the horses. Okay. So I worked for a hunter jumper trainer. It was a really good like experience because going from the eventing world to like the hunter jumper world, there's just, you just learn so much. Like you can't not learn, right? But then I, for some reason, I was just like, it was too boring for me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. coming from, you know, eventing and cross country. Faster pace. Yes, exactly. Yep. It was just, it was a little too boring for me. So then I, I started working for a dressage trainer and that was great. I loved it. I got like way more foundational things that I needed, but again, I got bored. Mm -hmm. And so then I decided to get back into the eventing world. And this whole time, no horse of your own? Well, I bought a horse off the racetrack and then, oh my God, it was a horrible, I, it was so bad. I bought her, it turned, she came home, she was drugged. Oh no. And I didn't do a vet check and I was young. So like, I didn't really like under, you know, I just didn't yeah. get it. You're just like, she's cute. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and she was cheap. So yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, she was cute. I'll turn her around and make some money on her. So I brought her home. She broke out in hives turned oh, out no. she was allergic to like alfalfa beet pulp flies like you name it she was allergic to it so anyway so she didn't last long so i found her someone that was happy to take her and then somehow i acquired this really cute paint mare again like she was just kind of like a project and then i acquired a thoroughbred somehow again i don't really like it wasn't i just didn't get along with her i actually got a really nice 40 year old that was a judgment isf baby and she was awesome, but into it, she tore her collateral ligament. And so that was not fun. Uh, so she went and got retired in Oregon somewhere. I think after, oh, after her, okay. So then this is where I decided that I wanted to get back into the eventing world. I was the assistant trainer for Natalie Rooney and she was up in Bodega at the time. And so I started working for her to kind of like get my feet wet back in the world, right? And then I ended up leaving her and I ended up getting this really pretty mare who was like the 17 hand Hanoverian. Super like just beautiful. Um, but she was a little crazy. Somehow I end up with all the crazy horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens. There's and a reason we fall for the ones we do. Exactly, exactly. I ended up not working for Natalie anymore. And then I ended up 
going to just off on my own. And then she ended up selling her to this guy that he loves her, he still has her, I get pictures and you know. Cool. Yeah, so she had a happy, happy life. I think she lives in Oklahoma now or something. Then I ended up with the horse that I have now. He's retired now. But I've had him for like 10 years now. So you were going to different places and doing your training programs, then kind of what was the trajectory? So when I started working for Natalie, she was sponsored by Jared Salary. And I was always super curious about like saddle fitting, how it all works. When I was deciding that like tra the training world wasn't for me, I called Mirdad and I was like, hey, can I come work for you? Hmm. Oh, so you just put yourself out there? I just put myself out there. I was there a rep locally at the time? I don't think so. He's local, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The shop is like literally right around the corner. Okay. Yeah, we make all of the saddles there. Okay. So anyways, I gave him, like I met him a few times through Natalie because he came and did all, the, all of her saddles. And I just called him up and I was like, hey, I don't know what I want to do, but like, I think I might want to do this. And so he said, okay, we'll come to the shop. Let's chat. So I went to the shop. Is that part of your nature to just ask for? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. Cause yeah. yeah, that's very, I feel like that's very rare for people to just be like, hey, are you hiring? I'm ready. That's actually how I've gotten a few of my cool. jobs. <laughs> yeah. And what was the deciding factor to not want to train? Was there a specific thing? Yeah, I, I didn't like the demand. I don't know, I think it was the pressure. Where I was, the situation, it just wasn't right for me. And then also I didn't like that I never had time for my own horses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my, my horses always got pushed back and I hated that. Cause like, why am I doing that if I don't have my horse, right? Yeah. So that was kind of like the deciding factor yeah. of like, I need to go a different tra trajectory. Yeah. And then with the saddle fitting, did, was that the first route or did you kind of like try anything else in between? No, I mean, I've literally been doing horses like my whole life. I've always been in it. To pay for it, I waited tables and bartended. Okay. So like those- You have had other jobs. Yeah. So I have had other jobs, but like, obviously the only reason I, I was in the restaurant world was because growing up, my dad owned restaurants. Ah. And so like, I got a taste of that, like really young. Yeah. And I got the taste of how easy it is to go there, bartend, make a few hundred dollars and then be able to wake up at 9am and go ride my horse in the morning. Yep. So that Make was, ends meet. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of my trajectory for that route. It was just hard, you know? Like, not that life isn't hard because obviously life's hard. It was just, it was getting too effortful for me. And so I just wanted a different route. So you approached Murdad and? And he said, okay, if you want to do it, follow me around, come to some appointments. And if you're still interested after you follow me around for a couple weeks, then I'll train you. And so I did and I loved it. Was there any fear involved? And I mean, the fear of like, you know, starting a new job or like not kind of knowing what you're doing, like jumping in, like that fear. Yeah, like hope this works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't like a fear of like, cool. did I do the right thing? Yeah. And how old were you at the time? Oh goodness. So that was nine years ago that I started working for him and I'm 40. So I'm so bad at math. 31? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So then you started, you followed him around for the two weeks and yeah. were you still like, this is awesome. Yep. I, and he kept warning me. He goes, you know, this, this career isn't for everybody. So just so you know, like you, you like have to be like, if you're going to do it, you have to be committed. And like when I do things, like I go full force, right? Like I, I put both feet in. I'm mm -hmm. like, and I did. And then, you know, there's been times where like I wanted to quit a lot but I keep pushing through and I'm it's really like I love my job I love helping the horses I love making saddles I I couldn't have picked a better 
better a better area in the horse world yeah to jump into and what about it do you love so i really like helping the horses when i go to an appointment and they're like oh my god my horse isn't moving forward like what should i do and just knowing like what to do for that horse like that's what i thrive on it, yeah. it makes me feel so good to be able to help the rider and the horse it's a, a tricky occupation mm -hmm. because you have to deal you have to be able to deal with clients that might be a little <laughs> or not know what they're actually talking about exactly yeah exactly we think they know what they're talking about but right. it's not your same opinion or any of that right what do you feel like was the hardest thing in the beginning the hardest thing for me was being self-motivated so my job is a little different than like the big companies my boss pushes me but like i don't have a salary that i have to meet where like the other companies it's like you have to sell x amount of saddles or else you basically get fired mm -hmm. and i never liked that because i felt like that takes away from like really the art of what you're doing if you're forcing it like you become a sales exactly rep. yeah exactly i'm more in it for the horse and rider and that's what I, that's what I really like about it. And do you do just JRD? So, um, so I work for JRD, but I'm an independent contractor. So JRD is where, like, I sell JRDs, and we also sell Revere's. Revere is Mirdad's son's company, but he is also doing. To so if anybody's heard of Total Saddle Fit, Justin okay. is—he's the guy that made that. Okay. So he's not really doing saddles anymore because the Total Saddle Fit just took off. What is the total saddle fit? Um, so they have girths, half pads, pro shoulder girths. It's basically half pads with like you can put shims in it. Everything around the saddle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so did you ever in that process look into other saddle companies? or you? I did actually. You did? Yes, I did. And it always brought me back to, I actually got hired, well not hired, but I had a couple interviews and I, I was just so turned off by them because it was basically like, it was basically like you you make a salary and you have to sell this many saddles and if you don't like this is what's going to happen you have to go to the show you have to do this you have to do that and like i don't work well like that i work better like on my own time frame and so the other thing is i said i said well is it okay if i bring my horse to the show and they said absolutely not Oh. And I was like, well, what am I doing? Like, if you can't ride your, like, isn't that the whole point of like doing this career that for me? So I opted out and I, I stuck with where I was. Yeah. And I like, honestly, like my boss is amazing. When I disappear because like, I just don't want to deal with people. Like he texts me and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Chimes in a little bit. Exactly. Like go, go keep going. And that's like what you need. You need like a cheerleader, you know? Yeah. That's like why I think I'm so successful in it because I have the support that I need. Yeah. So you do do other fittings? Yeah, so, okay, so JRD is where I, I do the brand. I do JRD and Revere Saddles. And then I'm an independent contractor. And so I can work on any saddle that can be adjusted. Okay. So, but like selling wise, like I just stick with the JRDs and Revere's. Yeah. Mainly. And so do you mess with like wool flockings or do you just do panels or what is that? Yeah, so we do everything. So our shop's in Sebastopol, which is right around the corner from where we are. 
and that's where we make all of our saddles. We have three guys that have worked there forever and they are in the shop all day long and they're sewing, they're plastering things, they're stitching, they are like the backbone of JRD. And so like what I do is I'll go to, like I'll get my client, I'll go to the, I'll go to the barn, like I'll travel, I travel all over. And then I'll, if they want to buy a custom saddle, like I'll take their measurements, I'll take the horse's measurements and then I'll come back and then I'll discuss it with Mirdad, the saddle maker, and then we'll pick the tree that best fits the horse and talk about what, what they want for the rider. And then we send it through production and then I get to be a part of the whole thing, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And then halfway through when the seat's done, we have the person come back in mm -hmm. to sit in it so they can make sure that's what they want. And then also we can place the flaps. Oh, cool. So like if they want more forward or backwards or whatever, like we place that all, we staple that all together and then we finish doing the panels. That's really, so are all of them custom? Not all, I mean, you can, there's used off the rack, all sorts, but like if you were to get a custom saddle, that's what we would do for you. Okay. Yeah. And then as, as far as like what you asked, what we were do like what we do. So we do reflocking. We will do new panels for saddles. We'll do leather work. More, just JRD saddles or you can no, we do can, that with other well, saddles? we can do it on any saddle that okay. can do it. Yeah, we, we do that a lot actually. Like if you need different panels, we can swap those out. We do tree adjustments. We do reflocking. I mean, we do basically anything that can you do, like custom color changing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can do. Yeah, we can <laughs> change color. Yeah, we can add more foam to the seat. Oh wow! And um, we can do different piping colors. Okay. You can put a crazy like if you want zebra like, print. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on the back of the cantle. We huh. do all of that. Do you get people that get that stuff often? Um, sometimes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then, so is JRD jump dressage all the things or just dressage so we do jump saddles dressage saddles and polo saddles and endurance saddles okay cool um, and basically like whatever you want so like if you order a custom saddle and you're like i want this and that put together like whatever you want it can be whatever it, yeah but there's no horns involved no with any no, of those. no horns <laughs> no western we don't okay. do that yeah because um, we hand sew everything right okay so we're kind of a dying breed that way yeah have you learned have you been in the shop and learned oh i'm there every day simple well, process well like you know monday through friday i don't go on the weekends <laughs> yeah <laughs> usually um, out in the field i mean you learn every day right like i'm always learning something new and why do you think people choose jrd over other saddles i think that all saddles are personal preferences right and this took me a long time to realize too i think that a lot of people like our saddles because they're all handmade and they're very nice and they are all made in the usa um, so a lot of people like that. Also, we have really good trees and we don't have a lot of horses that have sore backs from it. And so they, I think that's pretty much the draw, right? Mm -hmm. Like we take care of the horses yeah. and obviously the rider too. Yeah. And how long did it take for you when learning the fitting process until you like felt comfortable doing a fitting? Oh gosh, it took me a while, at least a couple of years yeah. before I like felt comfortable. Yeah, because every horse is so different, every person is so different, and if you're trying to fit the horse and the person, yeah. and there's other opinions, and then trainers come in and tell you their exactly. opinions. and Exactly. Yeah, I feel like with this, with the saddle fitting business, you have to have a specific type of backbone, mm -hmm. too. Oh, absolutely. Do you have experiences where it was hard and you want to talk about it? Oh my god, I have had so many experiences, we don't even have time to talk about <laughs> it all. Do you have like one or two that really stand out to you? So here's here's the problem that I get a lot. Everybody always blames the saddle. That's the first thing that they go to. It's always the saddle's fault. 
And I've learned to kind of just like brush it off and be like, okay, let me check it out first before that, before we go down this rabbit hole. And typically it is not the saddle. I have a great story to tell you that is like my most just kind of like encompasses like what you have to deal with as a saddle fitter. So I work with this great trainer and she has all of her horses in JRDs because she sees. She's a body worker and she sees, right? So she had a client that were, they were kind of newbies and they bought this new four-year-old horse and they ended up getting, it wasn't even like a custom saddle, it was like a semi-custom saddle, so it was never like made entirely for the horse, but it was like a saddle that was off the rack and we adjusted it to the horse. This horse, like from the minute I saw it, like I knew that there was something up with the horse because it had like this like weird buck problem, right? And so she gets there and the first thing I say to her is I say, okay, like you're not allowed to fall off. Like that's my rule, <laughs> like don't fall off. So we put the first saddle on and then the girl falls off. Oh no. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is like right there. I should have known that this whole trajectory was going to be like not a process. Good, right? Yeah. And so I should have there, like what I'm learning now is that like, if I feel like I don't want to work with someone, like I won't work with someone. Yeah. Step and back. I'm, I'm getting way better about like reading people now. And that just comes with years of experience. Right. Definitely. So none of the used saddles that I had work and I was like, okay, well your next step before buying a full on custom is like, we have a pre-made saddle that's in the shop we'll adjust the tree to your horse we'll put new panels on it for your horse and then that's like your best step without going like fully custom because the horse is four and you know you it's don't growing yeah it's yeah. growing like you don't, you don't need it right now like you don't even know what you want to do like just this is the best option right so they ended up getting that and it was it was great until it wasn't right Anyways, the horse started having problems. There was like a third party that came in that was with the horse and the vet said, it's the saddle. And- Did they do x-rays or anything or they just palpated and then said? No, so what happened was they put the saddle on the horse and the horse kind of jumped up in the cross ties or something and like, you know, didn't want the saddle on its back, right? And so the vet obviously went, oh, it has to be the saddle. Like it's the saddle's fault, like, you know, whatever. So I get this email from this, the, the people the next day saying the most horrible things that you would ever hear come out of anyone's mouth. It was basically like, you ruined my daughter's riding career. You ruined the horse. Stuff she'd never say in person too, probably. Oh, totally. Probably not. And basically we want all of our money back. And so the thing about us is that we take measurements of the horses, which not a lot of saddle companies do. So I have the horse's whole file and I saw from the beginning to the end how the horse changed and I had that all on paper. And so I, you know, wrote back and I said, well, here's the deal. Your horse grew two centimeters from the first time you got the saddle. If the saddle needs to be changed, I'm happy to help you change it. No response, like nothing. I get like another email saying, if you don't give me my money back, I'm suing you. Oh God. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. This, this is like the most ridiculous thing ever and so back and forth back and forth did they ever like actually get a diagnosis so they did and this was like three bets later the horse did something to its SI and it was never like this out mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly what it, it was something that had to do with like the SI or like something around that area yeah um, so not saddle related not saddle related so like that I have to deal with a lot 
and that's like not the fun part of my job. This one just sticks out because it was so vulgar and the guy was literally blaming me for his daughter's happiness. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, who does that? Yeah, I think the hardest part things do happen right. and someone probably chimed in like the vet and said hey it's the saddle and people do take vet as the highest priority exactly. of opinion right but instead of in my opinion instead of just blaming the farrier the saddle fitter whoever get x-rays right get proof right and then you can go from there and it doesn't help to be mean to somebody right exactly it's like why i don't i just you know yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, that one, that one's, like, the number one that, like, really sticks out. Yeah. Was it early on in your time as a saddle fitter or no? Um, no. If it was early on, I probably would have quit, to be completely oh, no. honest. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, if that, if that happened early on into the thing, like, there would have been no way I would have stuck with it because I was like, if I have to deal with this, like, this is not a career for me. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, I feel like there's a lot of opinions in the saddle fitting world that don't align with each other in terms of the different brands right. and well, education exactly. and all of it. And it's hard because every saddle has different has a different tree, right? That's why like I only like to do my saddles. Like I'm happy to work on other saddles, but like here's the thing, like you bring me a saddle and let's say that like someone adjusted the tree before and then I adjust the tree and then they're still having the problem. Well, I just inherited that whole saddle problem that is not, I don't need to do that. It's very complicated. And, and the thing about saddle fitting is there's so much to learn. There's so many little intricate details that like I still learn things every day. Yeah. Like every day I learn something. Yeah. And that's kind of like how you become good at your job, you know, like you're open to that and you want to learn and you want to say, okay, well, hey, if I made this mistake, let me fix it and let me figure out how to make it right. Well, and mistakes are the best way to learn, right. unfortunately. I mean, Hopefully they're not big mistakes. Right, but that's how you learn. Yeah, so. yeah. and what, would, what advice would you give the common person that has trouble with a saddle or doesn't know about saddle fit? Leave it to the professional, <laughs> to be completely honest. Yeah. That's what you're paying us for. You're paying us to help you with your saddle and help you not have to worry about it. In my understanding, there are some saddle fitters out there that might not have as much education as so, we would like. That's the problem, right? So if you, the big companies, they cycle through people every couple of years. So if you keep your eye, not that you will, because not that's not what people are like doing every Paying day. attention to, <laughs> yeah. Right? But like I pay attention to it because I see, I know who the people are. Like I know who's good around here. So like I, I pay attention and the ones that are, that are built on making sales are the ones that cycle through the people. I have the education because I'm in the shop every day. Like, I know what the saddles look like. I know how to adjust a tree. I know how to do all of that, right? And you've been doing this a long time. Most of the saddle fitters don't even know what the inside of a saddle looks like. And that's what's tough. Yeah. Can you think of, like, specific questions people can ask their saddle fitter to know if they're educated or not? Other than just how long have you been doing right. this? You can ask them their philosophy on saddle fit. That's a good one. Yeah, what's yours? My philosophy on saddle fit is that there should be no pain. Your horse should be free flowing. Your, there should be no red flags. When I'm doing a fitting, the first thing I look for is any red flags. And even with tacking up? Even with tacking up, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, your horse talks to you. Like, there's no, no question about it. If you listen, you'll hear the answer. More times out of not, I get a call and I, it's because, oh, my horse, I've been noticing, right? 
So my philosophy is listen to your horse, do what you can, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to help any way I can. And do you do a lot of your clients also when there is a problem have body workers and different people? Oh yeah, that's the other thing that I say. I say get a body worker. If there's something wrong, like I always ask my first question is, have you had your horse massaged? Mm-hmm. I want as much information as possible because you're not going to solve the problem unless you have all the info, right? You have been, for the past nine years, you said, kind of gaining knowledge and stuff, and you've been able to ride your horse and be with your horse during this time. Yes. Okay, so I have two horses right now. I have my horse, Charlie, who is retired now. I've had him since he was four. He actually got me riding back with Eve after I took a break from him. He got me back in the event world, which was awesome. And he has been my biggest teacher. He's taught me so much about myself, I can't even tell you. When I got him, he was actually a rescue horse. So the lady I got him from found him starved in a field. She thought he was like 20, and it turned out that he was three. Oh my, that's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't know what she was doing, but she said that this horse needed to be saved. And so... She's right, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, she she wasn't even looking for a horse, It just he just kind of fell into her hands. And she rescued him once, like, she got him healthy. She had one of my friends work with him, and then she knew I was looking for a horse at the time. And so she was like, you gotta check out this horse, he's like a total diamond in the rough, like, come see him. And so I went out and saw him, and it was history from there. I've, like, always wanted to be back in the eventing world. It's just where my heart lies. I always just wanted to be back in that world, and he was, like, my opportunity to get back in that world. From, like, a, you know, a heart center perspective. Mm -hmm. Because I left in kind of, like, a mind center perspective. I started riding with Eve again. I called him up. It had been probably like 10 15 years okay since I had ridden with him so full circle I went back to him which is crazy yeah when you think about that yeah with my little four-year-old horse that I'm like planning on taking to the Olympics cool. <laughs> which Perfect. I'm probably not but you know <laughs> big uh, dreams big dreams big dreams so anyways I started riding with him again and then I got like my feet wet and I got the bug again and you know it's funny because someone once told me that you have seven-year cycles so Every seven years, there's a cycle. And I had looked through my horse world, there's like, every seven years, there's like really a cycle if I like trace it back. Huh. So like 2000 was when I left. And then seven years, I just kind of like went off and did my own thing. And then another seven years, I found Eve again. And then five years into that, I had my first kid. And then my horse hurt himself. And then I ended up having to retire him. And so now I'm like back to seven years again. And I'm going to do my first three days since I broke my neck. And that would be seven years. Damn. So I'm like literally on these seven year cycles. <laughs> That's fascinating to know. And like just to know that like the seven year is coming up too. Yeah. And just be like, what's going to happen? Right. Because something big always happens in those seven years. Yeah. So tell me about this breaking your neck situation. So after I had retired Charlie, I decided that I wanted a baby horse, mainly because that's all I could afford. (laughs) So I got supposedly this really nice Irish sport horse mare. And I was riding with a newer trainer that I had actually, first time I've been riding with him. And I took the horse there because the barn was like literally five minutes away from my house, which was awesome. I loved it so much. Mm -hmm. And so the mare had, like when I got her, she had some issues. 
she and I had talked to the lady who I got her from and she was like yeah I don't know I don't know like what because uh, I guess she was sent to a cowboy at one point she was young she's four right so like she got started by a cowboy and then she went to a dressage trainer and she said somewhere in between like something happened to the horse and mentally like she was tossing her head a lot and so I mean I guess it could be mentally too but she was like she was a pretty solid horse like she was she had a good brain for sure she said that you know something happened and when I got her I was like okay she has like this when I would lunge around the lunge line she would rear and so I text the lady and I was like you know is this like normal and she was like yeah, you know, she was having some issues. We think that her head might have got, like, tied around a little bit, like, with the cowboy trainer. So she might just be, like, reacting to that. So, yeah. long story short, I know she has this, like, problem on the lunge line. And I thought we worked through it. Because, like, I got to the point with her where, like, I could just get on and go. And I had taken her, too. Like, she was she was a good girl. Like, she, I took her schooling cross-country for my first time with her. And she was great. Like, she jumped everything. Like, she had a really good brain for, like, being in a new place. Yeah, so, and being a baby. And being a baby. Yeah. And so, one morning I was going to get on for my lesson. And the, the way the arenas are, there's, like, a lower arena. And then the barn is, like, up top. And she was a bit barn sour. And so she saw, and there's like a whole loop that you could walk around to like warm the horse up. And so I get on and I'm in the lower jump arena and she sees the horse walking from the barn to the loop. And so she like throws this little leap through the air, which was totally fine. Like I saw it, no big deal. Um, and then I pulled her head to the left. And when I pulled her head to the left, I was a little unseated because, you know, she, the leap kind of threw me off a little bit. But so then I, I cranked my rein to the left because I was like, oh no, she's gonna do it again. And I was trying to stop the momentum. And when I did that, she reared straight up. Her head hit my head, threw me off backwards. I landed on my head and I fractured my C2. Oh God, were you knocked out? I was, yes, I was knocked out. I was like one of those out of, out of body experiences. Oh my God. And um, like literally I could feel my body like floating on top. Like, yeah. And then I could hear, like I was just laying there on the ground and I could hear like people calling my name, but like I couldn't move or like I couldn't talk or I couldn't do anything. And they were just calling, like I, I wanted to be like, hey, like I'm, fine, I'm here, I'm right yeah. here. But like nothing was coming out. Like it was the weirdest thing. And did she just take off? Yeah, the horse took off and ran up to the barn and was like lunging herself in the arena. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and so then I, I, I like finally like, I don't know how much time had passed, but like I was like, oh, I gotta get up. So I went to get up. And then when I got up, I was like, oh, this is like, I was like super like lightheaded. Like I was like, were there people around? Yeah, there were. So they were catching the horse and then there were some people in the barn and I'm walking up and I like look at my trainer and I was like, oh, I need to get back on my horse. And he's like, looks at me and he was like, you are not getting back on your horse. Like at at this point, adrenaline took over. So you don't know about your neck. I know nothing. Right. And so he's like, you're not getting on your horse. Your face is literally shaking. And I'm like, what? Like, what? I'm probably pale. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So they're like, okay, we'll take care of your horse. Like, you just go sit down. Like, you sit down, do whatever you want, and like, gather yourself. And so I call my husband. I was like, I just fell off. And he was like, well, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't know. And so he's, and then I just start crying. Oh my God. I just start bawling. Like, I can't, because like, I I remember I like hid in the, like, I called him in the tack room because I didn't want anybody to see me. And so I just started crying. And he was like, you are not okay. Like, you don't cry. Like, this is not okay. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me just sit down and, you know, take a minute and then I'll call you back. 
And so I go and I remember sitting on a tack trunk and then the couple people that were at the barn were like sitting next to me and they were like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, I don't. Like, I'm fine. I don't need to go. I just need a minute. Like, they're like, you're like, you can't stop crying. Like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, no. And then finally, the lady who works there, who I just love so much, I can't even tell you, she comes over and she goes, Emily, if this was River, would you be taking him to the hospital? River's my son. Okay. And I go, absolutely, he would be at the hospital right now. He would be like getting a CAT scan right now. Are you kidding? And she goes, okay, so you need to go to the hospital. So Good for her. That's a perfect <laughs> question to ask someone yes. in that moment of like, would you bring your best friend, your son, your mom, whoever, yeah. would they go to the hospital? Then so are you. Exactly. <laughs> so I finally agreed. And one of the ladies at the barn took me to the hospital and she like waited with me. And it was like so amazing. Like just the like support there was great. And so we went to the hospital and I just remember sitting there and getting like a CAT scan and you know, like I feel fine. And no pain yet. No pain yet. I think I was still like in shock to be honest. Yep. We were there for like hours and then and my husband came to like relieve my friend that was there. And so the doctor comes in with my x-ray and he was like, oh, you broke your neck. And I look at him and I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> you got the wrong x-ray. <laughs> like straight up. I was like, no, no, I actually didn't like. No, there's no way. <laughs> and so he puts the x-ray up and he was like, no, like right here, you fractured your C2. Like you can see it right here on the x-ray. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then finally I was like, okay. And then, you know, so dumb. The first question that you ask is, well, when can I ride again? I remember the doctor looking at me and being like, oh, she's one of those. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. Like, we'll, we'll, t we'll talk about that at the next appointment. <laughs> well, what can you do? You, did you wear a brace? So, yeah. So they put me in, I had one of those collars. I had it for like three months. It was so uncomfortable. Oh my Do, God. I could you take it off? Um, yeah, you could take it off, but like you weren't supposed to. I couldn't drive, couldn't work. Was there pain? Um, there was pain. There was actually a lot of pain. Yeah. It wasn't in the beginning, but it kind of like creeped up on me. My son was four at the time. So then I had to like figure out that and then to top it off. So after that happened, like my life kind of went in shambles, probably a seven year situation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I actually ended up leaving my husband. Okay. So, like, I broke my neck. I had an out-of-body out of experience at the time. I had these friends that were kind of like, I moved in to their house when I left my husband. And then, like, from there, I just kind of saw, um, I just saw things, you know, like, because when you have a major, you know, death-defying experience, which, like, I honestly don't even know how I didn't do it worse, because the, the C2 is, like, basically, like, that's... that's holding everything holding together. Holding head up, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think I had an angel watching over me, to be completely honest. Well, yeah, your trajectory, you weren't meant to get more injured than you were. Right, exactly. You were supposed to have this outer body experience to then wake up in some sense. Right, and wake up, I did, let me tell you. So the first thing after I was like, I saw like what was going on for like the month and then I ended up leaving my husband. And then once that happened, life was so hard. It was probably like the hardest hardest time I think I've ever had through my 40 years on this earth was that was that trajectory after I broke my neck to well yeah you're healing from a traumatic injury like that and not necessarily the like newly single life but the newly no partner you have you said a four-year-old four-year-old and you have to figure out a place to live and you have to like there's just so much there's so many moving pieces together yeah so. well and the 
in this industry people probably knew you as with the son with the husband with the things and so people ask how's your husband and you're like I don't feel like thinking about that right now well and that's the thing so like my clients like I'm I have like really great clients that have been with me since the beginning of my career so they know like my they know my life they know I got a new baby horse they know everything so it's like you can't not like tell them what's going on so and I'm a very open person so like I just I tell them you know this is what happened so I ended up moving into with my friends and then I and then I was like, okay, well, I got to get my own place. And then it was literally, it's so hard to find somewhere to rent. But ironically, the lady who I found to rent after all this happened knew Mirdad. And that's how I figured out, that's how I got the place. Connections. Connections, exactly. So anyways, after that happened, I kind of just reevaluated my life, right? As anyone should. The horse went back to the lady I got her from. She should have. Oh, side note on that story. So Jim Myers is my vet. He's amazing. I love him so much. He's like the best ever. He had after like a couple weeks after I broke my neck, I moved that horse to where my retired horse is. And one day I got a call saying that my retired horse it wasn't weight bearing. And so I called Jim and I was like, hey Jim, like Charlie's not weight bearing. I need you to come out. Because every time this happens, like I'm afraid he's going to like, you know, not be with us yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I called Jim and he was like, okay, well, I'll come out and x-ray him and see what we can find, see if whatever. So he comes out. I'm like, it's like two weeks after I broke my neck. I'm in my neck brace. He... <laughs> At this time, I, I, my husband and I hadn't separated yet. Okay. So he was with me. He was holding the horse while Jim was figuring out what was wrong with him. We, I don't even think we ever figured out what was wrong with him. But on a side note, so, and then I said, and also the other, my new baby horse that I just got, she has a cough and and I can't give her any antibiotics. So, you know, while you're doing Charlie, I need you to go do Gracie and I need you to go give her antibiotics or whatever she needs. And he says, okay, so we walk down to go do Gracie. It's like, it's like nine o'clock at night at this point. And we walk down to go do her and he goes to shoot antibiotics in her, in her mouth. And he goes to turn her to the left. And he goes, he looks at me and he was like, cause I, I didn't do a pre-purchase yet because I had like X amount of time before I could decide if I wanted to buy her. Yep. And so, he turns her head to the left and she has no motion to the left. He's like, your horse is not turning her head to the left. Like she had no range she of motion to turn. the left. Oh. And so he goes, this horse just broke your neck. I need to find out what's wrong with this horse. And so he takes her up and we do x-rays from her pole to her tail. And we find out that she has an old fracture in her neck on her C4, C5. Oh, wow. And that is why when I turned her to the left, she had a pain response, went straight of up, course. hit my ah. head, threw me off backwards. And the moral of the story is this horse broke my neck because I had to find out that her neck was broken. Yep. You will probably never hear this, but I'm so grateful for her. I'm so grateful she broke my neck. I'm so grateful I went through everything that I had to go through to make me who I am today. Not a lot of people will say that, but if I had to break my neck to figure out who I was, that's, you know, yeah. more power to it. Well, yeah, and just that, like, you could have died. Oh. Someone else could have died in that situation, and luckily you didn't. And, yes, it was horrible what you went through, but that could have been so much worse for her, for you, for anyone. Yeah, so how long was the rehab with your neck? Oh, goodness. So it probably took about six months before I could, like, be fully back. Could you um, drive? Because you probably couldn't um, turn side I to side. drive until the... Th I could drive around three months because... I couldn't, you're, it's actually illegal to drive with a neck brace on, did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I learned that because my do when I told my doctor I was going to drive and he's like, ah, no. 
He's like, you're going to get pulled over and arrested. Exactly. You don't need that also exactly. while you're going through everything else. Exactly. I actually, I hired like an assistant to help me with saddle fittings. So that helped. How did you find this person? She was actually at the barn. She worked at the barn. So I was like, hey, you want to drive me around? Yeah. Which is, was actually really nice. That's perfect. Especially <laughs> if it's someone that's like younger. And she wanted to learn about saddles. So yeah. it, was, it was amazing. She got to learn a ton. and she You got, got to get to driven. Me. Yeah, because I wasn't allowed to live, lift them up or anything. Yeah. But luckily, I mean, there wasn't much that you had to do for it because there's not really a lot you can do for it. Just immobile. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So you just can't move it, which is fine. You know, did your eyes job. still work yeah exactly yeah um so about six months i decided that i wanted to try to ride again after six months after of six your months. injury yep okay six here we go I, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i went back to the barn that i was that that happened and i was riding the trainer's horse and i had one lesson and the next day i woke up and my ear tube dislodged what does that feel like? Uh, vertigo for like a month. Did yeah. you know I what was know. going on? I didn't. I thought I had food poisoning. Vertigo is when you look up and you get dizzy, mm -hmm. right? Vertigo is like where you basically like you'll Your be fine. Equilibrium is one, off. Exactly. Like you'll be fine for one moment and then the next moment your your world's spinning. Oh God. So I. And you think that was from the riding? So. I think so. So I rode, and then the next day I woke up, and I, well, maybe it was like a couple days later or something. I can't remember the timeline. In the middle of the night, like, I started puking, and I thought I had food poisoning. And I was like, this is so weird. I don't know what's happening. Like, the room was spinning. Like, I couldn't figure out what was, like, I just couldn't figure, I couldn't walk straight. Like, the first day, I thought it was food poisoning. Second day, I still thought it was food poisoning. Third day, I was like, this should not still be food poisoning. No, everything's fourth, out of your system by then. Fourth day, I was like, there's a problem. <laughs> and so I went to the doctor, and they were basically just like, your whole equilibrium's off. And I don't know if it was from the riding. How do you fix it, that? I had to do physical therapy. For your ear? For Yeah, to get to, for vertigo. Because I had to retrain my whole brain. It was so crazy. What does the physical therapy look like? Um, you have to stare at things and like you have to move your eyes and you have to like walk because like I couldn't walk straight. Like I couldn't I couldn't do anything. It was crazy. I was like literally like paralyzed. Oh my god, my son. He was he I will never forget this. He was the cutest thing in the whole world. When I, I couldn't make it from the couch to the bathroom without puking because my it was just so far off. And he put on his little fireman outfit. Aye. He followed me with a bucket. <laughs> and he was like, Mom, we're making it to the bathroom. And every time I tried to get up, he was like right there trying to follow me to the bathroom. Oh so my God, that's better. amazing to have that. Yes, he was the cute. He was so helpful. It was so cute. This was also while you were trying to navigate this everything else everything with your else. divorce and everything yeah everything oh, else oh my god luckily we never got divorced but that oh you never did no, okay we're actually back together so anyway so then that took like a good two weeks to recover from and after the two weeks i had to go to physical therapy i had to retrain my brain they gave me all these exercises i had to do all these crazy things with my eyes i had to do all this movement with my body and it still kind of like plagues me a little bit but it's i think it's just one of those things that are always going to be there well it's probably also that was so traumatic to go through i feel like our we take our sight for granted so much yeah. and like if you can't get out of bed without throwing up because right. you're dizzy and you can't see like that sounds so traumatic yeah it was crazy it was like the craziest experience that I had gone through in a while. I mean, I honestly think it was worse than breaking my neck. <laughs> yeah, it sounds worse because your neck, you just put a brace on and yes, yeah, it hurt. And, 
But and there's like pain meds you can take right. for breaking your neck. I don't know if there's anything you can take for other than like anti nausea or yeah, smoking no, weed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. Oh God, that yeah. sounds horrible. Yeah, it was it was not a fun time. So anyway, so once I recovered from that, yeah, I got like a whole new win because I was like, okay, made it through that. What's next? <laughs> well, and luckily with your saddle fitting stuff, there wasn't deadlines. There wasn't. Exactly. So you could take time to care for yourself. Exactly. And that's what's so great about my job is that like I make my own schedule. I think after that was probably like the rock bottom where I was like, this is so hard. Life is so hard. I need something to like shift basically my good friends they called me up and they were like hey how's your you know vertigo doing like how's you, life how's life are you are you back to are you back to riding again like what's going on and i was like i don't know i think i want to try but i'm scared and they go well you should talk to this lady because she just found out she's pregnant and she needs someone to ride her horse and she's looking for like a lease for this horse and this horse is who i'm riding now okay. she's awesome she's 17 years old she's gone intermediate she's super safe <laughs> And I love her, she's so awesome. So anyways, they saw her at a show and then she told them and then they called me and they were like, you need to talk to Jen. And then that's kind of how that happened. But then coming back from that, I had so much fear. From everything, I just like, I, I was like, I know I wanna ride, but I have so much fear. And- Was the fear in falling off and getting hurt? I think the fear was, yeah, I mean, it was definitely in falling off and getting hurt. It was... Unpredictable, un unpredictability I of mean, the horse? Like, just, yeah, just, it's an animal that you don't know can do anything. And, like, my horse, I can't ride anymore. I mean, I can ride him bareback. Like, he, and I used to joke, I said, Charlie never would have broke my neck. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, paralyzed with fear. It was crazy. Do you remember your first ride and that feeling? Yeah, so I'm trying to get back in. Like, I know I can do it, but, like, first thing I do is I make sure... I know that this person knows who I'm riding with that I have you know trauma trauma yeah and like I need to work through it and I need a safe horse and I need a horse that won't hurt me a horse that's like you know which there's never a guarantee exactly exactly because <laughs> anything can happen mm -hmm. and I told her and she was like okay well let's let's see how it goes so the horse that I ride like she's awesome so we got to a point where we walked trot cantered and then I was like okay well we, we did that like let's see if we can pop over some jumps and so I started popping over jumps and every time before I'd go to a jump lesson, I would have these like mild panic attacks, <laughs> like in the car driving there being like, oh my God. But she has been so kind and so great. And they both have, and I am just so grateful I get to ride her. So circle back from re-riding her, I realized because from my neck, like I gained a bunch of weight because I couldn't move and I was having like a real hard time riding. And I, it, part of it was the fear. Part of it was that my timing was off. Part of it was that I was out of shape. And that was the whole thing. I was trying to get back in shape so I could do it again because obviously my seven year cycle is coming up and that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> need to be ready for it. <laughs> exactly. So that kind of took me on another journey because because of that, I was like not happy with myself, right? Everything that had been going on, I just wasn't in a very good place. Like everything that happened, like I was just like, I couldn't handle like one more thing. And it got me to the point when I like started riding again and then I was like, okay, something's got to change. So I called my health coach who I've been friends with for like 10 years and I was like, hey, like I need to lose weight. I need to get rid of this pain. I've been trying everything. Nothing's getting rid of this pain. 
every time I ride and I felt pain from riding, it took me into that moment when I fell off. And so it was distracting me. And I don't think a lot of people realize that that's, that's a distraction. And so I called her and she was like, okay, well, I have this like 30 day reboot for you to try. And I was like, okay, well, like at this point, like I'm done and do anything. It's basically like all organic superfoods. It took away all my pain. Hmm. All from eating healthy. healthy. Yeah. All from eating healthy and right. So that kind of took me down that journey. And I have just kind of been like living that way. I brand partnered with the company because I think it can help a lot of equestrians to be completely honest. Like if you think about it, how many people have gotten hurt on a horse and it's just lives with pain. And yeah. I've found that you actually don't need to. Yeah. So from going to like the most painful thing in my life, like the most hard, horrible, like broken neck, leaving my husband, like have a four year old kid, can't even like lift up to kind of finding my way through that journey. I found an amazing couples therapist. So anyway, she got me and my husband back on the same page. Uh, my life is wonderful. Are you where you're at with the saddle fitting stuff where you want to be? Or is there like more that you'd like to accomplish with that? As far as like making my own saddle company, no thank you. <laughs> I really love my job and I think it shows. Like I love helping the horses. I love helping the riders. I love having someone that's not happy with their saddle be transformed into like a better rider because I can help them with their saddle. Yeah. So. Cool. I think my biggest thing, like I'm just so grateful every time I ride. I'm so grateful that I like created the life that I created. And you know, it's, Honestly, what I want to do is write a book about fear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the biggest thing about fear is that you can't stay in it. Mm -mm. You, need to, you need to make a relationship with fear. Because if you make a relationship with your fear, then it can't come get you sideways. Mm -hmm. And that's where it gets you. Yeah. And that's the, it's the hardest thing. And it's the hardest thing because you're never going to get rid of your fear. Your fear is always going to be there. Mm -hmm. You just need to know how to have a relationship with it. Cool. Well, let's go into the question. So what is something within the community that you'd like to see evolve or change? And then how can you, if you're not already, help with that change? For the saddle community, what I would like to see change is I think people should invest more money in the health of their horse's back. Getting it right the, the first time is way easier than having to go backwards. For sure, and all the vet bills that come with going exactly. backwards. Yeah. Exactly, Yeah. so that, that would be, and then for like the horse community, I wish people would listen to their horses more. And you know, I was guilty of it too. Like it was always, it was always my agenda and that's not how you can get through through life right it's not how you can make a partnership with your horse either cool well you get to ask me one question so is there a question that pops in your head yes actually there is so where do you see your podcast going interesting cool that has not been asked yet where do i see it going i like where it is now with there's so many avenues that I like about it. So one of the avenues is I love the connections that I've built through it because I already enjoy connecting with people, but this helps me reach out or people reaching out to me, just random people from different states, honestly, different countries on Instagram that have reached out to like try to record with. And so building the connections, that was my number one goal hence stable connections the name i love that i can now travel and record people like literally going to new jersey and just going to try to reach out to people out there and record with them i just went to arizona to visit our friend jordan recorded with people out there 
So that part's really cool. You know, of course, monetizing it is something that I'm looking at with advertisements or with Patreon and all of that. So that's something that's kind of the next step. I do treat it like a job, like it is, I am, essentially working part-time doing this but right. you know the first year I didn't get paid I'm just building it so that's kind of the next step so that's kind of the only thing I'd like to see change aside from just building it and more people getting interviewed and connecting with each other because aside from me connecting with the people other people will listen to the episodes and then reach out to them and be like oh my god I loved it uh, you know I want a saddle fit or you know whatever so just continuing to build the connection and then eventually re-recording with you know some people and seeing if what they wanted to see change has changed is kind of a goal of mine as well but I'm just kind of taking it stride by stride and just seeing kind of what happens because I'm just free flowing with all of it. I love it. So, but it's been a really, really fun process and like just getting to know the all different walks of life from different places and hearing people's stories and being able to share other people's stories and the experiences I get, you know, some people come to me and record at my home, some people I go to them and all of the experiences are just, it's really fun. That's so. awesome. Yeah, so aside from just kind of going with how it's going and the little bit of building with monetizing and with continuing to travel and record people, that's kind of, it's kind of where I want it to be. I okay. just want to just continue doing what it's doing. So that's a good question. I, I like it. that. It's been a fun trajectory. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hello again, and thank you so much for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. This is your host, Shauna Burke, and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, don't forget to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. Follow along on Instagram and on Facebook, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on www.stableconnectionsthepodcast.com. If you're interested in advertisement space, feel free to email stableconnections.sb at gmail.com. See you next week. <music>